0: Welcome to Talking Gardens. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahan, editor of Gardens Illustrated. My guest this episode is gardener Arthur Parkinson, author of The Flower Yard and Chicken Boy. For starters, I asked Arthur to tell me what he would choose as the inspiration for his dream garden.
1: Well, the th- the thing about me is I don't tend to go abroad, so all my garden influence is very British. But I'm, at the same time, I love bold colours and, and flamboyance, so what I was like when I was much younger when I was a teenager I didn't want to be a garden I wanted to be a zookeeper so I would spend a lot of time in zoos particularly um, London Zoo and there's an amazing little bird garden called Paradise Park in St Ives in Cornwall which is is a real garden in its own right but is surrounded by aviaries and has lawns of flamingos and is very beautiful and I just love the the chorus of exotic birds so the, the dream garden would combine both my gardening loves and my avicultural loves <laughs> as well. So, what I'm imagining this garden to be would be somewhere quite sunny and sheltered, but certainly in England somewhere. And it would probably take the form of being an abandoned walled garden that ideally would be on a slope, because this garden's going to be kind of split up into three different zones, or four if you include the house. So, we'll start in the house because I can't bear gardens to be separate from the house. So if you imagine you walk out the the kitchen maybe of the house into kind of an orangery, a conservatory, um, not particularly huge, but if you imagine, for those of you who may have been to Petersham Nurseries, I love the how they've turned um, one of the greenhouses into a restaurant and there's like a hogging floor, which is sandy, gravel, packed down, tight like concrete isn't it but it's porous and I love that surface because it reminds me of my childhood because my mum used to take us for walks around where we lived which was old mining land and all the paths that the council had put down on the bits of mining that had been planted up with trees were hogging paths so that's very nostalgic for me so it'll be a very sandy surfaced conservatory that'll get really lovely and hot and then be be nice even in winter because you need to have lots of light in the winter. And the walls of it will be planted with espalier figs and passion flowers, because I love passion flowers, and it'll be sheltered. And here I will do a lot of my potting up of of seedlings, and there'll be large cages of canaries and lovebirds and zebra finches and diamond doves all cooing and singing away. So it'll be very exotic, you know, like passage to India type vibes in the summer. And then from here... You'll walk out into, like, again, a terraced kind of sandy garden that's very baked dry with lots of little beds and paths. And in the very middle will be a lovely stone bird bath. Because, again, going back to childhood, my granddad uh, Ted was a builder and he would always make lovely bird baths that were lovely. And I remember being little cleaning them. And you don't see nice bird baths anymore, really. It's hard to find them. So, that would be like the anchor of the garden, almost acting like a sundial. And around this bird bath will be the paths and the beds, which will be full of herbs, particularly marjoram, which is my favourite herb. It's that beautiful um combination of purple and pink and um, the butterflies absolutely love it as do the bumblebees so tons and tons of marjoram chives lots of different mints in each section my favorite mint is strawberry mint which is a lovely quite delicate mint and of course it does smell of strawberries but I love it in pots because it really billows out and I my favorite combination of it is with um one of the dwarf budliers. um I think it's buds magenta or hot raspberry Um, it's a wonderful understory and lovely delicate little lilac flowers and the bees bees absolutely love them and there were lots of rosemary um, because rosemary I love in the wintertime because it's evergreen obviously and gives you that lovely structure so tons and tons of herbs bearded iris because I fell in love with them this year at Chelsea Flower Show of course uh, the Benton irises
0: everyone loved Sarah Price's garden yeah everyone sold
1: out of them I put an order into to to KX in France um, and I've just planted uh, some that have come in a big tin bath at home Um, so this garden will be very sunny very permanent apart from one circular bed which will be done with annuals uh, sweet peas I love sowing sweet peas in late winter and I've I've grown a lot of different sweet peas over the years but I I come back to Machicana every time to be honest
0: such a beautiful scent isn't it mm.
1: the scent is why people moan about it because the stems are, are short but I think you can forgive it and I just pick it more like a I don't pick it by the single stem anymore. I pick it as like a bower of it. So you encourage the plants to give you more flowers. And that way, even if the flower stems are quite short, you can still have a nice look in the vase. So magicana and the seeds at home now, they're just about to be saved for next year. And I always sow my sweet peas on on Boxing Day. Um, So that's my little sowing ritual of them. So that's the first kind of like area of the wall. Yeah. Garden. I
0: mean, you're painting this amazing picture. It's very vivid and, and you've thought like you've really worked it out. You've designed it almost like this. Isn't so much your fantasy garden as like this sounds like it's a future garden you've had in mind for quite a while, and you're like working out exactly what the surfaces are going to be and what size the beds are gonna be in the birdbath. It sounds fabulous. So you're gonna come out of the house into this gorgeous orangery with the birds enjoying themselves, tweeting away and a little place for you to pot everything up. And then you come out into this herb garden with the birdbath and the irises. That sounds incredible. I want that garden already. (laughs) And the scent, the scent must be fabulous as well.
1: Yeah. And also Having herbs, whether you're a cook or not, I think it's just so lovely, as you've said, to have scent. It's very awakening. And this year's been like the first year that I've really valued the garden as somewhere to relax. You know, I've, I've never known myself sit in the garden for a full afternoon and, and not see it as a load of work. And one of the reasons for that is I've gone into herbs more than just having an annual display. So I really appreciate the nurturing of herbs. And also what's lovely is if you do have people over, having a selection of herbs just to chuck into you know a gin and tonic people really appreciate that so they're very they're very bonding I think herbs in terms of uh, being a human person (laughs) they're very um they're very undervalued plants I think actually
0: and and as you've just said as well it's one of those things that you don't have to input very much into them but they give you so much in return
1: yeah if you're bold enough to know to cut them back I think um they, they fall into that horrible category. People think they don't need any looking after, but they do need, you need to know when to prune them and treat them quite harshly, I think. So, like mint, a few years ago, I, I realised you have to chuck it out of the pots if you've got mint pots and get the bread knife and cut the whole root structure up and then just chuck it all back into the pot. You don't even need to give it much fresh soil, but that cutting up of the, the rhizomes just makes it go, oh, we've got to grow lovely and fresh growth now. So, yeah, they are low maintenance, but there was a few tricks that are well worth researching to keep them nice and and bushy and vigorous.
0: You mentioned sitting in your own garden this summer. What's your garden space, your actual non-fantasy real garden space like at the moment?
1: It's it's very uh, much in between phases, to be honest, because um, the garden here I planted never thinking I'd live here. It was planted for my partner James and I just ran with whatever he wanted so it's a very it's a nice selection there's some good bones but the beds are going to be made bigger this autumn and we're also going to invest in some pleached hawthorns if we can get them because we are it's a very small garden cottage not not a cottage garden that's that's lovely and long it's kind of square and um, we've got some nice yew topiary and It just needs a lot more oomph, so we're going to give it lots more oomph. We're going to put in a lot of new roses this year that I'm excited about. Quite a few roses are going to be going Gertrude Jekyll being the main one that's going because I've never liked it.
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> heresy, yes, absolute <laughs> heresy. I think a lot of people would say, "Oh, that's my favourite scent." Yeah. Oh, she's such a good doer. So, what are your reasons for not wanting her anymore?
1: Um, I think because we both love fox clubs, What happens is we get it gets to be quite Barbara Cartland by early June, and this year, since Gertrude has got going, it's just a bit too pink i think pink you do have to be careful of in a garden it needs a lot of scarlets and oranges to kind of not soften it but make it a bit more palatable rather than it just feeling like you're in a, a barbie box which barbie is fine core. if, if, if <laughs> that's the color palette you want but yeah um, i do like deeper darker plummy tones and it's really interesting in roses people just go for david Austin's, which is totally fine they have some fabulous varieties Morning mist is my favourite one, so we're going to have a lot more morning mist go into the garden. But um, there are others that are just as good as David Austin's, particularly one that is going in, which we haven't got at the moment, called Red Bengal, I think it is, which is very similar to Mutablis, but it's a deeper, more p- more plummy pudding red. So I'm looking forward to for those to come as, as bare roots because um, they're going to go in. I've, I'm dreading the amount of soil I'm going to have to dig out to not get the that horrible rose replanting thing of the soil so that should be a good workout in november Hope hopefully it's good for that <laughs>
0: <laughs> and pleached so. hornbeams that sounds interesting would you be willing to put the work in to sort of pleach them yourself over a number no, of years cheating.
1: no because <laughs> um, they've got to sit above um a hazel fence so they've got to meet the top of this hazel fence which is already almost eight foot So if we can find them, they'll be going in. I think we need to get five of those because our basic view is a garden, then the hazel fence, then like many people, another house. So we're just trying to soften the the other house, the wall. And um, the wonderful thing about them is they will be a good investment because we'll get even more birds into the garden. So that'll be Mm. nice
0: yeah it's that screening and privacy issue that a lot of it's people such a have, big thing mm.
1: investing in in the bones of a garden first it's it's the most expensive thing but it is worthwhile
0: yeah because then you can you know as you're going to be doing with the planting chop and change the rest of it as yeah. you know as much as like that's the fun bit really isn't it so that's lovely to hear about your own garden but back to your dream garden we've we've heard about your orangery and your fabulous herb garden what else would your fantasy garden include
1: So now we're going to go into the centre of the garden and this will be a huge aviary, like a dome. (laughs) So if you imagine the herb garden probably has a little wall with with gates and then you'll go into the middle section of the garden, which will be a a very beautifully planted aviary, which will have a lot of, of roses in it around the edges. So a lot of single roses, morning mist and red bengal. And then there'll be a large pool because there's going to be a natural spring in this part of the garden that feeds this pool, which I'll make probably larger and deeper in parts, but with very shallow banks. So it's very shallow in parts. So it's more lagoony. There'll be islands and these islands I'm going to plant with crocosmias (laughs) because I love crocosmias. They're a childhood plant. My mum always would have a lovely clump of lucifer. So that's quite a beautiful plant for me. And I, I really love, I prefer foggy plants to wimpy plants. So I love the perennials that do give you a good beefy clump. And um, Lucifer is so elegant, like a fishing rod. And I love the shorter one, Emily McKenzie, which is a really fiery tiger orange. So hopefully they're going to enjoy this location. I think Crocosmia do prefer to be on the damp side of things. I may be wrong. I haven't grown them en masse, so forgive me. But um, I think they they like to be in moister soils than bone dry soils. So I hope they do well in their, on their islands and they'll look like lovely fireworks in the summer and autumn. Because within the aviary is going to be a flock of flamingos, Caribbean flamingos. <laughs> so they're going to be kind of within this lovely orange, fiery red palette of plants. There'll be lots of willows around the banks So that lovely wispy willow, Nancy Saunders, which has got beautiful catkins in the winter. And the one that gives you pink catkins, Mount Asho, I think it's called, because that's just one of those plants. I've never grown it. I always see it in the garden centre in the winter and think, oh, I must buy one. But they're always quite expensive, so I never do. But there'll be lots of those for winter kind of structure in this in this garden.
0: Gorgeous. Wow. So we have an orangery, a herb garden, and now a a fabulous aviary and a pond, a large pond, it sounds like.
1: Quite large, yeah.
0: (laughs) With some beautiful (laughs) planting on islands in it and all around it as well. Mm. I mean, you've already described so many wonderful plants. Are there plants that you would like to include in some part of your dream garden that perhaps you aren't able to grow in the situation you're in now or you know maybe you just don't have the climate for it are there any kind of sneaky things that you'd want to put in that would only be possible in a fantasy space
1: i think i think there's lots of foggy foggy plants that i'd love to have i love japanese anemones but i don't have have any here mainly because the garden's so small and for things to thrive they they do need space plants don't they it's very easy to go to the garden center and buy loads and loads of different pick and mixers and you there quickly find things that you think are going to thrive don't because they've not got space. So, yeah, lots of lots of big perennials. I mean, I, I'd love to have a rhubarb patch. I haven't got any space for rhubarb um, and just things like that that a large garden allows you to have. I mean, I remember being little going to Chatsworth and Debo Devonshire. i got huge beds of Russell hybrid lupins like en masse, complete Alice in Wonderland gorgeousness in front of what is still there, a huge yew hedge maze. It was within the, the old foundations of what was the conservatory, the great conservatory at Chatsworth. But that's the beauty of a big garden. You can have sections that can just be totally en masse for two weeks of the year and then those plants, once they fade out, can just be forgotten about and the next bit of the garden can look great. But in a small garden, you just don't have that luxury. I love oriental poppies, same reason. They look great for, you know, two, three weeks, then they're done. And they don't like to be crowded out by other things much. So I I would, in a big garden, probably have a few beds of of favourite things that are just like fireworks and then fade away. But they have to be allowed space for the rest of the year to just regrow and get ready for the next time that they're going to shine.
0: Yeah, you mentioned Chatsworth and I know it's been quite influential on you. Are there other gardens that you would sort of take inspiration from for your fantasy garden that you think, oh, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that.
1: Yeah, I love um, Eastern Ward Garden. Again, a garden... In know, Lincolnshire, is that right? Yeah, near yeah. Grantham. Yeah. The lovely Ursula, she, she has that. And um, I've only been to my shame once, but what, what stays in my mind is this beautiful uh, meadow that within she'd got not only wildflowers, but beautiful roses within the meadow. And it just looks so romantic. And yeah, I don't know why people don't do that style of planting more when they've got grassland, because that was very... I, I often think about that. And certainly if I if I had grassland, that's what I would do. Yeah.
0: Give it that sort of lovely rambling atmosphere, isn't it? It's quite mm, heady. Just like
1: domes within the grass and the contrast of the, you know, the parched summer grass seeding away and, and then these beautiful domes. Very Alice in Wonderland. Very, very romantic.
0: Yeah, and you would like to include a little bit of that in your fantasy garden, maybe sort of nice meadow.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing, the thing is, it says fantasy, but I can't help but think a little bit practical. The reason I've gone for herbs big time and a lot of perennials and shrubs is because I'm going to be spending a lot of time looking after all these birds as well <laughs> yes. as the garden, <laughs> um, and I'm not somebody who likes to have staff. So uh, it's going to be me there, you know, pottering away on my own a lot. So, yeah, I haven't completely treated this as a fantasy. Um, <laughs>
0: I can tell that when you were talking about the plants that you're like, they need a lot of space for the rest of the year. And I'm thinking, but if it was a fantasy, they yeah, would just I'm flower all fantasy year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when it comes to God Too then.
0: practical when it comes to gardening. <laughs> I mean, do you enjoy the actual process of the work of gardening? You know, the the, the is that what the enjoyment of it is for you or is it having the space beautiful and then being able to look at it you know what what is the essence of why you feel gardening is the activity of it is that what it draws you in
1: I, I love pottering and losing myself in it definitely but I do, I do love to look and sit and just listen and not have any technology around me increasingly and the the nicest thing for me is to sit and watch the wildlife that the garden is is attracting, particularly butterflies and bees, and you know birds, having lovely baths in bird baths, and and just feeling like it's it's nurturing the planet a bit more than. I mean, I I think because I've worked, you know, my first garden, in fact, my only garden that I did as a, a full time job at the Emma Bridgewater factory was so I made it so intense, uh, you know, growing. 200 wallflowers and then 200 foxgloves and then ripping everything out and then the bulbs. And it it was, it, it you know, I, I've created a monster because it became a garden that was so intensive to keep full. And, and um, that certainly isn't the style of garden I want anymore. I want more self-seeding and, and more things that are doing their own thing and things that I can plant and create lovely big clumps. And so less, definitely less intensive gardening, but just as, flamboyant is is the way I want my gardening to to go definitely
0: yeah I mean you trained at Kew didn't you you sort Mm. of have that background of sort of solid horticultural training Uh, and then you know Emma Bridgewater obviously like you said was a very intensive thing how do you feel it has changed over the years for you are you feeling more ready now maybe to yeah embrace edibles like herbs and like you say maybe rhubarb and and look at the wildlife side of things a bit more do you feel you've evolved in your sort of style of gardening
1: i mean i mean for me i was always interested in flowers that were good for bees and butterflies i was always wanting to grow cosmos from the outset i do remember at q being in charge of growing you know crops of, of bedding plants for the palm house Polterre. and i do remember openly saying we shouldn't be growing these double geraniums they should all be you know cosmos or heliotropes or so that's always been there despite me gardening in quite a controlled fashion and I think that's absolutely fine if you want to be in total control of a garden by all means you can be but you you should be choosing varieties that are still good for for pollinators and that's perfectly easy it's easy to do to be honest because all the annuals that are grown from seed unless they're totally double will normally be good for pollinators so yeah I mean I think I've become more more nostalgic and wanting more memories within the garden. So, yeah, definitely I love, I do like vegetable gardens a lot more because that reminds me of my nan. And definitely you do you do appreciate growing your own food. It is, it's food security at the end of the day if you can grow a little bit of your own. And even if it's herbs, you're then not in control of what's in the local co-op. And I I get really angry, actually, when I go in in a little co-op or a big supermarket and you see the packets of herbs and they're all flown in and they're all in plastic. So I, I don't think I will ever have a very full on vegetable garden, but definitely I do want a few things that are special in the garden. So like lemon verbena, I'm totally obsessed with it. It's the most gorgeous tea. So that's become a staple pot plant, whereas a few years ago I wouldn't have given it a second glance. So yeah, definitely taste impacts what you're, what you're wanting to grow a lot.
0: Before we started recording and we were talking about the things that you might want in your dream garden, you did mention an orchard.
1: Yeah, that's going to be at the end of the garden. Ah. So this is the final zone. Yeah. Um, which, um, you know, this whole garden is walled. So it's going to be like a long rectangular walled garden with, with the free zone. So the final zone is, is the orchard. And around the sides of it will be fruit cages which will be fruit cages, but they'll be enforced chicken wire fruit cages because within them will be different flocks of of chickens. But each fruit cage will have a lot of fruit, soft fruits and gooseberries and currants and black currants. So because I I, I do love berries and certainly if I did have space, I'd have a lot of soft fruit. Um, And the hens will provide manure for the whole garden uh, as well as eggs. So they're very beneficial. And then the middle part of this garden will be, will be, as you've said, an, an orchard with lots of heritage apple varieties um, a few plums and quinces and at the very end will be an assembly of, of very helpful sheds to store all sorts of bird paraphernalia and garden paraphernalia in and there'll probably be a access at the end of the garden as well for deliveries and things because you've got to think practically about that too. Um, Even in your dream
0: <laughs> garden you're imagining deliveries Well I love we're going to need <laughs> a lot of
1: deliveries in this dream garden aren't we and we're going to you know they're going to have to have access for a crane to deliver, aviaries and metal structures and God knows what else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ever practical. I love it. You know, other people have decided that they want um, a magic door that they can open and it can bring them anywhere they want in the world from their fantasy yeah. garden. You're like deliveries. No, I'm imagining this crane. to be, you know,
1: probably somewhere in Devon. Yeah. I'm hoping that some a millionaires listening and they'll send a check or something.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they'll they'll call you up and say, "I have just the place. It's a long wall garden. Did I mention there's an orangery?" <laughs> <laughs> so, in terms of things that you would never have in your dream garden. If there was something that you were going to burn on the compost and bar the garden gate to, what would you say is never getting into your fantasy garden?
1: Um wind chimes.
0: Oh, I totally agree with you. Yeah, 100%. Because
1: the neighbours put one up this week and I tell you there's been so many nights that I've thought I'm going over there and cutting it down. (laughs) I I hate... Noise is a massive thing, isn't it? And I think when you've got a garden in the countryside or don't have neighbours, you really take it for granted. But when you've got a garden within all the houses, you know, you've got dogs barking and wind chimes and screaming. It really does... um, It's a different dynamic. You have to kind of... You do get used to that soundtrack, but it is. I think a lot of people forget what it's like to not have a a tranquil soundtrack of a garden. And equally, I don't like I think you have to be careful of water features because sometimes they can be too hard. I like a a bubbling ripple, but I don't want it to sound like um, a Shire horse is visiting. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> also, there's just something but yeah, it has to be, the water is a real problem, isn't it? It has to be at exactly the right tone or instead of relaxing you, it makes you your brain a little bit more active. I find it slightly maddening. Yeah, I have to agree. I think wind chimes for sure. is <laughs> noise pollution, I find. And I'm going to get letters about this, I know. But yeah, I just think before you put up wind chimes, please think about everyone think else about who has to it. listen to them, especially on windy days. <laughs> <laughs> What else would you ban?
1: So my big thing is is gardening organically. So it would be a totally banned of, of weed killers. Uh, any you know anything that's containing glyphosate, you know, which will kill insects and harm wildlife. That will be totally, totally banned. Um, so yeah, no chemicals.
0: Yeah. So you garden organically mostly. How do you deal with pests? And I know we're not supposed to call them pests anymore, but...
1: Yeah, um, no, no, you can you can. for me. I mean, in terms of like hostas and things that I have in pots, I always treat them to seaweed now, dried seaweed flakes. Um, I have found that to be really worthwhile because it does stop the slugs from eating your spurs of hostas as they come up and your dahlias. Um, Vaseline around the sides of pots I find to work really well. And with the springs getting drier, the, the rain isn't washing it off like it used to do. So you can smear your pots with Vaseline and, and it will normally give a good barrier for at least a week before you need to reapply it. But, you know, in, encouraging the birds in, if you're lucky enough to have a, a garden in the countryside, it is easy to do, mainly just through planting hedges and, and areas that they can get cover in. And, um, you know, I don't feed the birds massively here, but I do have a bird bath. I clean it every day. And it's amazing the birds that are visiting. You know, it's like a little blue tit out there at the moment. So you don't need to fill your, your garden up with bird feeders. You can just provide water and wildlife will, will come to water. And it's probably the most organic way of attracting wildlife. You know, if you're going to feed the birds, you have to you do have to make sure your bird feeders are clean. You know, so bird buff is a nice way of, of doing it a little bit less intensely.
0: And when it comes to, I know you plant quite a lot of bulbs. <laughs> what is your trick for stopping squirrels? <laughs> We're asked it on a constant basis, you know, and uh, there's lots of different tips and tricks, but what do you recommend? What have you found that works?
1: This last, last winter was really difficult, but I did manage to save a lot of bulbs by going on a forage and getting very sharp holly and pushing lots of holly sprigs into the pots um, and, you know, push them down. And I honestly found that worked actually, um, as long as it's pushed in quite hard so they can't lift it out. They just can't cope with with that barricade of prickles so that really did work for me last year but you can't remove the holly in terms of them of the pots having tulips in until the tulips are quite a good size of growth don't take it off once they start to shoot leave the holly in more or less until your tulips are about to flower and to be honest you know if you have got a bad scroll issue i would move over to narcissi now because there's so many beautiful varieties being bred of narcissi I didn't used to grow Narcissi a few years ago but now I, I really love them and they come back every year so you know better than tulips do so yeah really look through the Narcissi section of the bulb catalogues and try and make yourself love them if you're a bit reluctant about them they are worth the worth the effort.
0: It's true isn't it that there's a lot of emphasis on tulips,
1: yeah, too much,
0: yeah. And, and and this idea of, you know, tulips that come back. I mean, I know that there are some that are a little bit more reliable than others. But then there's also the issue of tulip fire, which I think a lot of people have been experiencing this spring. And so perhaps the way forward is to, to consider other perennial bulbs like you say like nurses what what else would be uh, out of your picks of other bulbs not tulips that people should think about
1: I think I think hyacinths are fantastic because um you know they are more they are quite expensive but they're perennial and the nice thing is the older they get the more elegant they become they kind of start to go back to their bluebell ancestors so hyacinths yeah my favorite one is woodstock which is lovely deep beetroot purple All the crocuses, because they're just such a wonderful thing to wake up to and see. So, you know, if you've got pots by the door or pots that you can see from a a distance from the door, you know, really cram them in with the crocuses. But again, squirrels like crocuses, so they will need a bit of defence. If you've got lawns, then, you know, jam-pack them with narcissi and also the lovely um, snake's head for tillery. I think that's such a, a magical little creature of a bulb. It looks very happy in grass. Because I think that's the thing. Everybody talks about wildflower meadows. But the thing is, you can you can really bump up your wildflower meadow by putting in bulbs this autumn. So don't just think about wildflower meadows as, as in them being seed grown. Think about them being bulb grown as well. And you'll find that that will really push on your meadows looking established.
0: Yeah, and those species tulips... You know, they really will come back year after year and they look really fabulous early in the year, don't they, with everything? But make
1: sure you're putting grit in your pots and in the soil if you're on heavy soil. I think people forget that too. Bulbs do like good drainage, apart from actually the snake's head fertility, which does do very well on clay.
0: So, Arthur, you've told us that your dream garden would uh, have an orangery. A herb garden with a lovely bird bath in the center, and it would be a long wall garden. In the central section, there would be an aviary with a beautiful pond and flamingos. I love that. <laughs> There would also be an orchard meadow with heritage apples and fruit and chickens and soft fruit cages. And at the end, some very practical sheds and a space where everything can be delivered. If you had to pick the final three quickfire round, three things that you would have to include in your dream garden and why, what would you say?
1: I'd, I'll always, always, always have a washing line in my garden because I love putting my washing out in the garden to dry in the sun <laughs> and it, it means there's never any ironing to be done really. So washing line, the herbs, I think if I was to pick a group of plants that would be herbs for both flower and scent and and edible cocktails, that kind of thing. And then finally, I, I think probably trees. I think, you know, apple trees, fig trees, they really do give so much structure and cover and, um, yeah, I think a garden without any trees is is quite lacking, really.
0: That was Arthur Parkinson, whose new video course, Grow a Spectacular Garden in Pots, is available on Create Academy now. Talking Gardens listeners can save 20% on Create Academy courses using the discount code GARDENS20. Thank you for listening. See you next time.